Dear Shooter, have you ever considered training beyond pistol or medical? Perhaps carbine or maybe even something beyond. Let's talk about something a little more advanced. Of course I have. I'm just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing. But get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it. If you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. And we've all seen it. Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Good morning, all you potheads, and it's Thursday. Um, and I want to come to the table, and I want to talk about a training that I got to do a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I finished it up. Ricondo. Is that the basket weaving class you were in? Yeah, it was awesome. Underwater. Yep. In a desert. It was really cool. <laughs> how do you, I, yeah, how do you find water in a desert? No, uh, it was a, uh, it's, it's. It's uh, to DOD level training, uh, reconnaissance and commando training. Uh, this was born out of Vietnam era commandos. O- open to civilians. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got to do this through uh, Tactical Solutions International. It was uh, taught by three former Green Berets and some support crew. And I got to do some things that... I don't get to do very often, and I got to do some new things as well. What don't you get to do very often? So I got to do land nav um, at night, map and compass, stars. Okay. Um, to me, kind of a lost art. I thought he was going to say open up that MRE. Had to eat some MREs. Had to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't poop for a week. But... <laughs> No, got to do, got got to do uh, old school land nav. Got to employ some tracking techniques. Um, I got to blow things up. All right, now you're talking. That was, was cool. like what? So uh, we we got exposed to several different forms of explosives. Uh, everything from debt cord to the newest, latest, greatest. Binary explosive. Is this that two-part stuff? Yes. So each individually, they're inert. They can't go do anything. But you mix them together in the right proportions, and they're angry? Right. Okay. Right. Um, they're also, um, it takes a blasting cap to, to set things these things off. They are not uh, firearm sensitive. So this isn't like Tannerite. Uh, you, can't, you can't detonate it with a, with a bullet. Okay. All right. Um, it has to be directly detonated with a blasting cap. And I'm pretty certain the average civilian cannot pick up this at the local Walmart. Uh, no. Um, that being said, we did learn a lot of improvised stuff that I can pull up from underneath the kitchen sink. The kitchen sink's spooky. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I, some stuff I didn't even realize. 
a long, long time ago, I analyzed some of the chemicals and some of that stuff, and you mix them just right. They can be nasty. Right, right. Um, you know, our, our final exercise, we got to detonate uh, just short of five pounds of an emulsion explosive. Uh, it's it's type of explosive that's typically used in mining. That's a pretty good pop. It, it was big. Um, the earth shook. I'm, I'm pretty sure a Richter scale went off somewhere. So, seismic. Somewhere, I'm guessing Salt Lake or Jackson probably has a seismic, seismic reader. I'm sure. And you've just messed with all their data. Yep. Okay. You're welcome. Gives them something to do. I mean, seriously. Well, I wasn't there. It wasn't me. Because people are going to come looking for that event. Okay. No, Gives I'm, them I'm, something to do. If it shows up on Seismic, they want to know why. Yeah, and and they want to know where. Well, they, they know where. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they do. They've got that triangulated. Um, but that was it. <laughs> in a, 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 about a two-in-the-morning event. So when the USGS vehicles roll into the TSI, Ken has to own that event. <laughs> Poor Ken. I know. <laughs> His explosives people were licensed. It's okay. They didn't call in in advance, though. No, they didn't. Oh, shoot. They don't call their students in advance. What do you want? Just the consequences of this training. So this is not something you're going to get at the local gun shop hanging on a poster board. No. Okay. No. Um, And this event was was organized by Rob Pincus. Um, He took uh, a lot of his... Senior instructors and in, in a lot of the cadre, uh, there were six of us out there. And we did this as a leadership team building type event. Um, it, it, I enjoyed the hell out of it. So leadership and team building. Obviously, a group of guys are going to pull together and work together. Mm-hmm. So from a team building aspect, I get it. The challenges, were they challenging enough to let the leadership of the group rise to the top? I believe so. Um, this event, um, because of the duration, it was six days. The lack of sleep. Uh, I think I think most days we were running on somewhere between three and four hours of sleep. Now, it was Rob's event. Mm-hmm. And I know Rob's personality. In all of the scenarios, did Rob rise to the occasion and be the leader, or did that shift? For the most part, he was the leader. However, uh, some duties were delegated, and and I think it. I think everybody did rise to the occasion of. They took charge of what they were in charge of, and and led the team exactly what needed to be done. And that is developing leaders. Okay, good. So it's working. Mm-hmm. Just from a training perspective, mm-hmm. you just got to do cool stuff. I got to do some really cool stuff. All right. Um, the other part of it, and it was something that I expressed in the debrief, is I, I felt that the team itself came closer together. Now, there there was a couple of guys on the team that I think, uh, you know, they were they were former military. They've done this stuff before. Um, and and, and if, I think if you ask them, they, they it would be not only no, but hell no, I'm not doing that again. That sucks. Uh, but they came out and gave it their all, and... I think had a, had a really incredible time. Well, good. I mean, six days with intentional lack of sleep. I mean, sleep deprivation is real. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're going to put yourself through challenging things with live fire and explosives and and night navigation mm-hmm. over the train I know you were in, it's quite challenging all by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, I, I can see where that could have a healthy level of suck factor. It did, and 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 I'll be honest with you. There was a there was a point. Even I was like, okay, this is dumb. Oh come on! You've trained for this. You live with me. Did you, are you training him for the dumb? No, it's too hard. I'm too <laughs> tired. Shut the fuck up. Go mow the lawn. <laughs> I've heard her say that actually. <laughs> it's hot out. She does it with a beer in her hand, right? No, it was I it was good. And and I've been through trainings like this before. Uh and and even Brandy, you've been through um SUT. You in fact um you and I went through tier group uh, their SUT course 4 years ago. And to my knowledge, you are still the only woman to ever complete that course. Because it has a healthy level of suck as well. Especially when that was supposed to be my honeymoon. Now, this is a situation you're rectifying in a week. Yep. But, yeah, that that did suspiciously look like a honeymoon event. Well, I blame COVID. Really? Hey, I had it planned. I had it booked and then COVID. But you had it planned and booked after the honeymoon event. I did. You know, this was the break-in period. Backpedal, 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 backpedal. <laughs> it was break-in. Break-in period. Got to, got to see. Because if she... every woman wants to run around in plates and camo. I'm pretty you weren't sure in plates. That you had the no. break-in period before you got the I do's. You did. You were happy that I would pretty much came pre-trained. I mean, you have to some small corrections now and then, but a lot of small corrections. Well, you know, did he come pre-trained? Sort of. I don't know who by, but... Uh, I mean, you're going to have a conversation with that person, I assume. Hey, the the, no. the, the spotter controls the engagement. Huh. <laughs> he just called you the spotter. Yeah. That's that's He'll the boss. That's fine. Oh, this is too... This I could take that a lot of different directions, but Ricondo, let's get back on track. Sure. So, um, <laughs> you know, Ricondo, I, I, I've been through... And and I and I mentioned tier group. Uh, I've been through three of their courses. I've been through SUT twice, and I've been through their combat tracker class. SUT small unit tactics. Small unit tactics. Now, what was cool about that was the first time I went through it, it was all done Ranger doctrine. Okay, so it was U.S. military doctrine. Here's how the military does these things: um, patrolling, ambush, um, all how they cross danger areas, things like that. That's how the military does it. The second time I went through it, and and when Brandy went through it with me, uh, most of the guys in that class had been either through that course or through a similar course, and and John uh, John Hurth, recognizing that, uh, fantastic instructor, by the way, if you ever get the chance to uh, even talk with him, uh, just shut up and listen. Uh, But... He recognized that everybody was kind of familiar with the classes, had been through some some form of, of his class or something similar. So he went, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this on its head. And we're not going to do this from standard U.S. military doctrine. We're going to do this from the perspective of the insurgent. Now, going through it from both sides, 
and and learning some different perspectives and how insurgencies work and and things like that i i feel like we kind of have a little inside baseball like we know some things we probably shouldn't i don't know about shouldn't i I think it's all good stuff to have your hand on. Oh, right. But you still have to assemble that team that you can work with, mm-hmm. um, and preferably folks that have something to contribute to the team overall. But from a training perspective, um, from a civilian standpoint, um, the, the knee-jerk dismissal is you just wanted to dress up like G.I. Joe and go play in the hills. But it's more structured than that. Much more. And you're learning communication. You're learning motions. Um, you're learning tactics. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, things that God help us that we don't have to employ later. Right. Right. But if you were curious about how to do it and do it right, you got some training. Absolutely. Okay. And 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 let's look at it from a practical standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We were we were out there wearing multicam and we had LBEs and we had packs and we were doing you know ten mile ruck marches in the dark. All of those things were by design to wear you down to break you down to strip you bare to the to the bare human essentials and that's and that's a lot of what you want to do in a a leadership event in a team building event you want to strip people down bare and see how they handle pressure but then you bring them back give them some skills absolutely give them some direction and they thrive yep it's human nature yep and and i've been fortunate enough that all of these type of training events that i've been through I have been lucky enough to be in groups of highly motivated people that that do well under stress and that can then can come together to accomplish a goal. So what motivated you to outside your pistol training, outside your carbine training to seek something that we would consider upper echelon higher level? What motivated you to do that? Brain damage. Uh, that there's a, there's a little bit of that uh, uh, justifiable, but I don't know if it's motivation. He had a desire to learn something different. Uh, he was getting his hands wrapped around pistol. He's getting his hands wrapped around a carbine. Structured education, and for a lot of folks, that's plenty. There's a lot of folks that won't take it because they think they know it all. Outside that, we're talking about total next level training stuff. And what motivated you to climb on that bus? I want to see, I want to find knowledge that I can, you know, and maybe I don't employ it in the way that it was taught, but I'm a hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. There is a lot of skills I take away from that. Emergency communication, land navigation that I can use when I'm hunting, when I'm fishing, when I'm out in the wilderness and my cell phone doesn't work. Medical. Medical. And we're not talking about boo-boo bunnies. Serious medical. Oh, we were, yeah. We, I mean, we did, in this class, we did, we, you know, we talked about evacuations and, and evacuations by air. And as a kid growing up, I was a lifeguard, and we went through a, a, a nauseum series of classes from the Red Cross mm-hmm. water safety, medical, um, mostly oriented poolside type stuff. But it wasn't until I got introduced to a Dark Angel class that the possibilities of this might become real became a a desire to learn more. But it does come real it, because we live in Wyoming. Ambulance response time is minimum of 45 minutes plus. And how many times are you the first responder at a car wreck in between here and the next town, which is a million miles away? I was I was the first responder in a lot of wrecks. Um, and so that trauma 
has now helped you. It, it, well, being the unfortunate one or fortunate one, depending on how you look at it, to show up first on scene is what drove me towards my medical classes. Um, didn't take but two or three of those incidences in my life to go, I need to know more because holding your hand and talking to you is just not enough. Well, and, and you asked about motivation. There's another motivation. We live on, We literally live in the middle of nowhere. That's right. Um, you know, we have an address that's listed as pavilion. We are nowhere near it. Right, and you have Latin long hung in your house. That's right, because that's that's how people are going to find us. Well, have any kind of response time, yeah. Yeah. So having those skills, those those field craft type skills, uh, I, I think are invaluable when you live in an environment like where we live. Well, what I was getting out earlier is it boils down to, at some point, you asked yourself the question, what if? And you didn't want to be the guy that wasn't prepared for the what if. Well, empowerment through self-reliance. Responsibility. Mm -hmm. You took it upon yourself to prepare for the what if. Right. Right? Same thing I did with the medical side. I ran into a couple of situations and went, all right, I need to know more. It wasn't the what if is, okay, so evidently I'm the guy that's going to show up on time. Right. Um interesting story and it ties into my evolution on higher level training um i had been unfortunate enough to be first on scene five or six times in a year and relaying this story to brandy one night on a phone call and she's like do you have gloves it was just the out of the blue total random question and caught me off guard because i didn't have gloves simple thing like latex gloves not latex. I know, but at the time, that's what I was thinking, right? It was a simple thing like latex gloves. I didn't have any. And I was handling and dealing with situations that was sticky and not mine, right? And I didn't let that phobia get in my way of handling the situation and helping people. But I did put myself at quite a risk. Interestingly enough, the second I put a box of gloves, nitrile gloves, in my truck, they're proper blue ones. I stopped being first on scene. And why don't we use black? Because you can't see anything on them. You can't see blood. I mean, they, they'll show wet, but then you don't know what that is. Right. So, yeah, it, black's a bad Get color. Get the blue. But interesting, um, you know, Murphy's Law, if you believe in such a thing, I do now. The second you put gloves in your truck, you're no longer going to be that person. That's because Murphy's my cousin. Uh, I don't doubt that a bit. Send your him life, to your brother. <laughs> He needs to go visit the other parts. I, of the I, I don't care which one, but it's their turn. <laughs> oh, but he's so much fun. No, he's not. We Okay, so we were out at, at TSI for the weekend. We've been out there for three days doing conducting trainings. Uh, we get back Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, and find that the entire front half of our property is flooded. Yeah, that's a Murphy event. It is. Um, so it's time for Murphy to go back to your brother. I, like I said, I don't care which one. It did because apparently it wasn't equipment failure of any kind. It was the uh, irrigation ditch. It got over full and it came over the banks. But it was still a failure. Probably a clogged culvert, which is Mother Nature. Yeah, it it, it was a mess. I, I, I spent the better part of today finally getting it under control. So back to training for a second. Um, what else out there? I mean, you talked about small unit tactics. We talked about medical a little bit. Upper-level training, all right, when it's something we would classify as next level, right? Um, for me, it was a Dark Angel class. For you, it was small unit tactics. 
what else is out there for the civilian populace to even think about? There's a good tracking class. Yeah, tracking. I, w- okay. I was going to go tracking too. All right, so tracking's a good one. Communications. Now, there's an art to me, communications. I think communications is something a lot of folks could go through because mm-hmm. there's a right and wrong way to talk on a radio. There just is. There is. And, and, and I'll go back to tracking for a second because people are going, well, they're tracking. What, what, what good is that going to do me? And, and I go back to an example that, that John used on a podcast that we did several years ago. And he talks about, you know, you go on a family camping trip and, and your young child wanders off. Do you know what's on the tread of his shoes? Can you follow that? Because now you have a head start. You've, you've called emergency services. They, you know, they're sending tracking teams. They're sending dogs. They're sending sheriff department, whatever, to come find your child. But if you can walk a circle around your campsite and you can see a set of footprints leaving, you can follow that. And maybe you can find your child before they even get there. But don't ruin the tracking for when the professional trackers come. You've got to be mindful. There's an art to it. There's, There's an art to it. To it. But and search and rescue, do they, do, do they go through these classes? They should. I mean, I agree with you. They should. I, I, I don't know that they do. I think some of them do. I think some of the higher level ones do. But they, they definitely should if they don't. Um, you know, another, another skill for tracking. Um, you, you think about, you know, we, 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 we covered this in another podcast. You know, we talk about small towns. And we talk about rural environments where, you know, we, and we live in a very rural environment. So having those tracking skills, uh, you know, if you're walking around your property and you start seeing footprints that you don't recognize, um, you know somebody's been there that probably shouldn't have been. Or that, could still be. Right. That's valid. Absolutely right. You know, if you, Situational awareness. Right. Separate from any of the other classes. That should be taught how to pay attention. Agreed. Which is weird because back in the day that wasn't a problem, but now we're in the era of the cell phone and the iPads and things. So do you know folks that teach situational awareness? Yes, I okay. do. So, again, that's a next-level training. Mm-hmm. What else is out there? Uh, well, the situational awareness, you know, we, uh, we did, it, we did a, a women's defensive clinic. We talked about situational awareness. We talked about less lethal options. So we were talking about things like pepper spray, tasers. Uh, you, you, you actually taught a portion of hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about defensive pistol. We also really talked about the consequences of what happens if you get into a defensive shooting. That all drives your decision matrix, sure, mm-hmm. and your empowerment through self-reliance. I'm going to go ahead and plug your, your, your tagline because that is what you have taken on the responsibility of teaching. Um, these higher level classes, though, I don't see them necessarily on your your menus. Do you have instructors that you can point people to? I do. All right. So if they want to reach out to you via email and find out more, what's your email? Well, it's just Jason at yotac dot com. That's Beautiful. easy. Um, and actually, after all of this kind of shook out, um, I I they reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in in starting teaching a portion of this Ricondo class going forward. Okay. All right. So helping that portion. Now, it's one of three, as I understand, the Ricondo class, right? Uh, it's about one of five. Well, five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's multiple segments. Mm-hmm. Um, are you up to speed and qualified to teach one, two, three, four, and five, or just a portion of it? Uh, probably just a portion of it. Um, I think they're going to they're gonna put land nav in my, in my lap and uh, probably a portion of the medical. Okay. All right. Good. 
Helping um, out. You know, and then, uh, you know, the, the, let's face it, and this is something that's kind of sad to me. I think these are skills that are good to know uh, and, and have unfortunately been been lost through technology, uh, especially like, uh, you know, the land nav, uh, especially. Everybody has a GPS now. Uh, what what people don't think about is, you know, hey, the president visits, visits Jackson Hole and they they invoke selective availability and now your gps doesn't really work no worse shit it's powered by batteries dude exactly um so the you know some of these kind of the, the the old school skills uh that don't rely on technology that don't rely on batteries they, they think they're kind of a lost art well and you can do it without relying on a compass yeah it's easier with a compass and a map no oh, much easier yeah but you can check your environment and figure out north, south, east, west. Right. And you can take a bearing in off of landmarks and dead reckon to it. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, navigate obstacles, but the common sense of I can do this rather than the paralysis of I don't know what to do. Right. Is what we're talking about. Yeah, well, and, 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 and let's face it, and I, and I, even, I even admitted this uh, during the course, Land navigation where we live in Wyoming is is relatively easy because we have some very prominent landmarks to to work off of. Now, if I was to go in the middle of the Sahara Desert, life's going to be a little different. Well, and then I'll, I'll offer the other side of the spectrum. You drop somebody in the Pacific Northwest, um, say in one of the little forested areas, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily get the sun or the moon. And in foliage that's that thick... You can get turned around really fast. Oh, absolutely. Um, you have to look for things like which direction is the moss growing. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got to be able to have the situational awareness to pay attention to know those things. Right. So land nav is important, and it's environment-driven. It is. Well, well, and there's also the dangers of what you're going through. You know, we have grizzlies. Louisiana has gators. There's things that you need to be aware of for, like, that's where the tracking comes in. Well, so you foliage. know what you're dealing with. In some of the Pacific Northwest, there's foliage up there that once it grabs onto you, it doesn't let go. And the more you struggle, the more it grabs onto you. You're going to violently break free of that at some point, and now you're looking at stitches in the middle of an environment that's not necessarily sterile. So get the medical class. Correct. Right. Well, it all plays together. It does. Well, and, and, and consider even in our in, even in our area, we, and we've talked about this before, You know, we, we go up on top of Union Pass and we do navigation courses. Well, let's drop them in Atlantic City where there is a lot of iron in those hills that will screw with a compass. And now you're not getting a true reading. Your crutch that you were leaning on, a piece of equipment, Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And I like Union Pass for that type of a course because you have open areas. Mm -hmm. You can get a landmark, but you have to navigate a, a grove of trees. You do. And you lose all of that the second you go into the darkness. That's right. That's right. So, you know, and I, I... Brandy, I know you're you're a very dead reckoning type of person. You know, it, it, what about this cliff? Well, we go off the cliff. Gravity works, uh, and you save time. <laughs> but that's another elite class, though. You're talking about a potential climbing and repelling class. That's right. Now, and if you're equipped, it's just another obstacle that you can manage. Right. But those skills aren't something you're getting out of your public school system. <laughs> no. So uh, find a class. If this is of interest to you at all, the options are almost infinitely but and, and, well and, and going back to the point that i was beginning to make 
a lot of the guys that teach this, they're they're the old school SF, they're the old school Rangers that, you know, they learn this stuff right after Vietnam or after those lessons that we learned. But a lot of these guys, they're I mean, they're they're getting up there, and this institutional knowledge that they have, it's going to die with them if we don't continue these classes. So one of the things that I was really happy about when they when they asked me if I was interested in in teaching a portion of this class I think these are things are important and I want to do everything I can to help continue that education sure I couldn't agree with that and with from a standpoint of reasonable any better but there there are other classes out there that that not necessarily military based in origin Um, Dave Canterbury teaches a remote survival course Mm -hmm. where you have to learn how to make fire by yourself. You make basic tools. You learn how to make shelter. You know that we with things we take for granted, like you know, when I know my my water's clean. Mm-hmm. I know that that I have a roof over my head. And tomorrow I'm going to have to do what? I got to feed myself. Mm-hmm. So, learning how to do that outside the the cushy urban environment is maybe someplace somebody ought to start. Well, let, let's go back to the urban environment for a minute. How about a defensive driving course? We all could use a little bit better driving course. Okay. Um, now, I know 88 Tactical over in Nebraska. They do urban escape and evasion courses. Interesting. So they m- manipulate road rage into something functional. Uh, not even so much that. Um, they look at it more as, hey, I just got kidnapped. How do I escape? How do okay. I survive in an urban environment and not get caught again? That's another next level course. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting out of your bonds and restraints are one thing, but how do you actually egress? Yeah, you, and you got to navigate and with with very limited supplies, um, with not necessarily knowing who to trust. Back to the what if. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you got to take that less lethal from the instructor we have because she will teach you how to get out of cuffs, how to get out of wrist restraints of different kinds. Exactly. Next level courses, all of them. Yep. And and I think they're important. Now, would I recommend them to someone just coming in? Probably not. Depends on what they're what ifing about. And, and that's true. Right? Um, I mean, if they got a trip to Mexico here coming up, some of this is applicable. Absolutely. It's not a stable country. Mm-mm. So and, you know, gringos with money in their pocket are targets. Definitely less lethal class and maybe the hand-to-hand because you, they're not going to let you take a gun into Mexico. No, they're not. No, they're so not. you're going to have to learn the other avenues. But, I mean, it just depends on what your what-ifs are. There is a course out there and a competent instructor. So I'm going to ask the instructor the, the stinky question in the room. I have a what-if in my head, okay? How do I find the instructor that's going to give me proper training? Boil that down of the decision matrix. That's going to be tough. Um, and I think I think your first step is go to an instructor that you already know and already trust. Um, this is that instructor that maybe you've trained with once or twice, and you've gone back because they have not steered you wrong. Is this one of those situations where you can take a review from a friend? Yes. Okay. I, th- I think it is, and I, and I think this is definitely one of those situations where a review from a friend, from someone that you trust, uh, is kind of mandatory. Because if, you are, if you're looking at these next-level classes, I mean, l- l- let's face it. I mean, you're, you're, this isn't the 
$50, $100, $200 pistol class. This is the, you're forking out $1,000, $2,000 just for the course, forget the travel and everything to get there. Uh, this is a substantial chunk of change to take some of these courses. But you're investing in yourself. So you are investing in yourself. Quality instruction is worth it. Yes, it is, but you need to make sure that it's quality instruction. The most expensive instruction is the stuff that's not very good. Right. Absolutely. Um, but if I'm going to go and I'm going to plunk down $2,000, $3,000 to go and take one of these courses, I'm going to be damn sure that it's with somebody that's got a good reputation, um, that you know the people that have gone through it are coming back saying, yes, this is worth it. Uh, caution. Going out to the website's a good place to start, but don't take their word for it that their class is good. They're going to be biased because they want your money. Always. So find somebody that's taken it and get an experienced, unbiased opinion. And if you pull five people that have taken this course and three of them go, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you look for another instructor. Right. And, and, I, and I encourage everyone that takes a class, go post a review. Independent. You know, just put it up on your social media, something. Um, because le- I, everything you put on the Internet, like it, it's there forever, right? Well, it Somebody is not, can find it. I have a love-hate relationship with reviews because, you know, obviously since it's posted on the Internet, it must be true. Um, people aren't always genuine. People are not always honest. And they don't ever have the necessary, the best intentions when they post one of those. Now, a lot of folks do. But you got to weed through a whole sea of possible sour grapes. Uh, yeah, we agreed. Or potential fanboy to get to some real information that you can use. But if, you, if you're if you reading a review, if it, you know, if it, okay, I'll use myself as an example because I did this, what, four or five years ago. I, I took a... Long range course, uh, a gun sight, seven day precision long range. I came back and I and I really put some thought into it, and I wrote, I don't know, two three page review. Um, I, I thought it was a really great course, but I went into detail of what the course was about, what I did, uh, how how my equipment performed, how the instructors were, you know, every detail that I could put into it. And that's the kind of review that you want to look for. I'll be honest. A two-page review, unless it is just engaging and well-written, I ain't reading that shit. You may not, but somebody who's getting ready, you know, if you're, if you're getting ready to invest somewhere between, you know, you start talking about travel and everything, you look at somebody who's getting ready to invest six or $7,000 into a training, I'll bet they're going to take the time. They might, after you've really made the commitment. But when you're trying to decide... Um, there's there's a structure to leaving a review that's helpful. Agreed. You need to keep it at a two minute read. I hear that's the attention span. And where'd you find that two minutes? Sesame Street. It's all over Facebook. Sesame Street says thirty oh seconds. Hey, the fact checkers didn't say no. Right. Oh my god, <laughs> you are so horrible right now. But le- but but let's also look at it this way. The the amount of people. All right, so we all know this. You throw a rock, and you're going to hit an NRA instructor, a USCCA instructor. Agreed. Okay? They're everywhere, and they're charging anywhere from $50 to $100 for class. 
these guys that are charging three and four thousand dollars for a class, there's not that many of them because there's not many people that can maintain that kind of level of training. No, it's it it absolutely one of those things where you can look at their bio and their syllabus and see that the inv- the information is legitimate. Right. And I don't necessarily think that cost of class is the measure. I don't think it is either. But it is an indicator that this is something serious. Right. And look and look who look at who they're training. If if you look at their if you look at their company and you go to their website and you start to see you know, we're training uh, NSA, we're training FBI personnel, we're training CIA personnel. Okay, if if those level of people are being sent to this training, it's probably something worth looking at at least. I would agree with that. Um, those guys tend to not go places that don't do right. Well, not more than once. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, and... Again, I, the the people that I've trained with, those are the level of people that they train. Um, they'll do they'll do three or four civilian classes a year. The rest of the time, they are tied up with Department of Defense contracts, CIA contracts, NSA contracts. You know, they they are tied up with those people because they seek those people out, and we know those guys. You know, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Culver, prime example. Yep. Um, got out and and uh, tried to retire, and basically, <laughs> from the private sector side of it, he got drugged back in because they wanted to work with him. Because from a leadership perspective, he got it mm-hmm. right, and they wrote him a ridiculous number to come back and work the same project he was working while he was at the Pentagon. Right. Um, wonderful guy and I'm biased because he grew up in my house he's kind of like my brother and I have no idea how that knucklehead made it to where he is other than people like him well I think if we look back 30 years I don't think any of us have any idea how we got to where we are (laughs) Um, because 30 years ago we I don't think any of us had that kind of ambition and drive and actual like intelligence well maybe brandy no nope. got the headlines. Look at that. <laughs> That's right, folks. I just made Brandy speechless. I totally wasn't paying attention to all your shit. God damn it. You steal my thunder every time. Yeah, we were speaking in cursive. Happens. She's got headphones on and she checked out. Yep. I'm good at that. I oh. could I could just mute. You're a rock star at it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only time in my life I can actually mute her. And I will kill you. I know. Yeah, actions, but that's every day. So. Actions have consequences. I will tell you that. Didn't we just discuss that like a week ago? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it so. holds true today like it did then. Um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. Everybody comes to higher level training like this with different motivations. Uh, and those motivations are usually deeply personal. Or it's just a bunch of boys who went to play hide-and-seek. I think it's deeper than that. The what-if question has bugged you long enough to where you sought out information about how do I solve my what-if, right? That also speaks to someone's character. They're willing to take responsibility for their own safety. 
from their own abilities. I, I think I think both statements are true because I've seen it in, in, in almost every class that I've been through, higher level training. You you get the guy that, you know, because they, they any good instructor is going to ask his students, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and about half the class, it's blank stares and, oh, I thought it'd be fun. The other half of the class has really thought this through. And they're like, look, I live in the middle of nowhere. I want every skill available to me to make sure that me and mine survive whatever may come. And I got to applaud that mindset. I do. I do, too. Um, but but you do see it in almost every one of these classes. And, it, and it's almost divided exactly in half from what I've seen. Uh, you get the guys that they don't have an answer. And, and those are the guys that. I just want to, like, dress up in camo and play cool for a week. And then you get the guy that's really thought about it. Interesting. Okay. So I guess you guys out there in, in Cyberland, you got to decide who you are. Do you have an answer? I would I would say answer the question before you pay for the class. Um, you'll get a lot more out of it. Absolutely. Because if you're there... Um, because you really, truly think that this skill is going to be useful in your life. And especially if you can walk into it and start learning these skills and be able to go, okay, well, I get it. The, the Rangers do this. The Special Forces do this. But this is how this applies to my life. And if you can go through that class and as you're learning these skills, if you can articulate exactly how this skill is going to translate to your life, to your circumstance, to your plausibility... I think you're going to get more out of it. I would agree with you. I, on the face of that, you got to kind of weigh that statement because ranger training, what has that got to do with me going to the grocery store? You know how to egress. I, well, that's me. I get that. But a, a guy that's going the what if, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to figure out things that are going to be useful to him in his everyday life. Caleb Cossey gives a great example of that. Um, they were in an active shooter incident at a Costco. It was it was him and his wife and his and his young child. They were in one. They were in one. Okay. Um, and they were just walking out as the incident started. They were in the parking lot, and him and his wife, both being through some of this higher level training, didn't even have to say two words to each other. Began doing a bounding overwatch until they got to their vehicle loaded up um one kept watch as the other one loaded up the child put him in the car seat they got in the vehicle uh passenger kept watch driver got out of there and they left safely valid Um, absolutely valid so so this kind of training um if you can if you can really look at your own life and and be able to articulate how you can use this in your day-to-day life it's all useful Training's worth it. Mm-hmm. I baited you into that story. You did. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> Bad about that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, you you have to look at this personally. Do you, you know is higher level training something that's for you? That's the first question you should ask. Mm-hmm. Right? Is this for me? Can I use it? Right. Do I have enough burning what if questions about this topic that I need some answers? Right. And one thing I will I will say, um, 
don't think that you have to go and break the bank to go and do this stuff. I, I, I had a guy in one of these classes that we went through, and he showed up, and he did the whole thing in Carhartts and a flannel shirt and a backpack. Like, you don't have to have the high zoot camo, and you don't have to have all the multicam and the plate carriers and the LBEs and all the, the military rigs that, that you see these guys using. You don't have to do it. This guy was from, uh, I think it was Portland or Seattle, somewhere in there. Like, he dressed the way he would dress at home. Well, that's another critical aspect of what we're talking about is you're going to have to find yourself in this situation in your natural environment. Um, if you dressed all G.I. joe out, you draw attention to yourself. That's right. Which paints a target on you. That's right. So this is about your everyday go about it. Mm-hmm. So train like you fight? Exactly. You know, uh, go into this thing with the gear, with the clothing that you would have in your own environment. So have, have you Make it walked real. onto a range in your bathroom? Yeah. You have done that. I have. <laughs> I actually taught a class. Well, it, it, for a couple of hours, I actually taught a class in my bathroom because, you know, teaching naked is kind of frowned upon. Well, and it's the most action his bathrobe has seen ever. Damn. When she chimes in, it's right there and cuts you deep. I know. <laughs> need a tourniquet now. <laughs> Can't tourniquet the taint. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I just started laughing because I knew that was coming. I uh, know. So on that note, um, consider higher level training. Um, and if if you can't get there and until you get there, keep blaming the gun. <laughs>